you know what? There was the third before last song that, that was sung there really helped me. Uh, some of the words in it were wonderful. You crown me with confidence. You know, when you're, when you're getting ready to speak to the church, you think you've got confidence. But sometimes the enemy just goes, oh, what if you trip up a bit here, John? But just to let you know that I've been praying about this. I've put a lot of prayer time into what I'm going to say today. I'm going to be talking about gentle justice. And this is something that's so important to my heart. But I've prayed about it, and I believe God wants me to say what I'm going to say today. So basically, guys, if you don't like it, don't take it up with me, okay? It's not my fault. Also, the words of that song said, I have the authority Jesus has given me. <laughs> so that also fills me with confidence as well. So today we're talking about gentle justice. But, you know, what does justice mean to you? It might not be something you've often thought about, but we're going through this season of, of seeking justice. And today happens to be a really important day. Now, some of you may not know this, but today is a day that the United Nations has set aside. It's the day of zero tolerance for female genital mutilation. You may not be aware of that. It may not be something you spend a lot of time thinking about. And if I'm honest, it's not something I spend a lot of time thinking about. But when I do, it makes me mad. It makes me angry. The females should have to go through that, especially young girls. That's not justice, is it? It's not justice. So what do you think about when you think about justice? If I'm honest, when I think about justice, I often think about the perpetrators of injustice. That's kind of just how my mind works. Um, you know, being a, being a scouser, I'm used to injustice. I'm used to justice. Um, I've had a lot of Nicky taken out this morning because I'm wearing a jacket, you know, because I look a little bit smarter today, you know, and it just reminds me of that scouse joke, you know, what do you call a scouser in a suit? The accused. Um, and so, you know, I'm used to it. I'm thick-skinned. But when you think about justice, what do you think about? Just imagine this. Imagine your house has been broken into you. And I'm sorry if this hurts some of you. This might bring back memories. Some of you may well have been burgled. We have been. But imagine your home was burgled. And not only was your video taken, your TV, your laptop, but also some of those prized possessions. You know those things that only you have? That someone really close to you gave you that mean so much. Do you know the sort of things I mean? The things that can never be replaced. They've been stolen. What are you going to hope for? What is the thing you want to happen more than anything? And I don't believe more than anything, you want the criminal to be found and punished. You may well want that, and that may well be part of justice. But it's not what you want. What you really want is to get back those things that you've lost, those things that have been... So if you only had one thing that could happen, 
I hope it would be, get me those things back. Because the legal justice will capture the person and they'll try them and they may well get a prison sentence, they may well get a fine, and we tick that off as justice. But how do you feel? What we're going to talk about today is the gentle justice. Legal justice does not make what's wrong right. I'll just say that again. Legal justice does not make what's wrong right. And what we want to talk about this morning, or what I'd like to talk and discuss with you today, is the gentle justice of Jesus, which is more about putting right what is wrong. A few weeks ago, Rosemary, my, my lovely wife down here, and I, we were in Enniskillen. Uh, we hadn't planned to be in Enniskillen. We planned to be in Ireland to see uh, two of our grandchildren who had birthdays in the same week. One would have been one and one would have been three. The week before we're due to fly, our daughter-in-law gets COVID. So we can't go and stay with them. We have to give them an extra couple of days so that she's clear. So we decided to go to Enniskillen which is a beautiful part of Northern Ireland if you've never been there. There's beautiful lakes there. But Inniskillen means something different to me because in 1987, on the 8th of November in 1987, some of you may remember the Remembrance Day bombing that took place in Inniskillen. On that day, the Provisional IRA led off a bomb without any warning and 11 people were killed. 10 civilians and one policeman. It says that when you look it up, but the policeman's a civilian as well. It's 11 people were killed. Now, I can remember that, and I can remember we were horrified because it was on Remembrance Sunday as well. It was just the wrong thing. At the time, I was 32 years of age, so the mathematicians Amongst you can work out my age now, and the rest of you can't. Um, and I was 32 years old. I wasn't a Christian. I wasn't a believer then. But something happened that day which I believe really changed my life. And what it was, there was a man on that day called Gordon Wilson. I never know when this is going to happen to me. <sighs> One of the things I pray about regularly is that God never takes my tears away. Gordon Wilson was standing next to his, his daughter. Gordon Wilson was 60. His daughter was 20, yeah, 20 years old, she was a nurse. Her name was Mary Wilson. And they were both caught up in the bomb. And he held onto her hand as she died. What a thing to do, to be there. One minute you're remembering something, the next thing you're caught up in a bomb. And then as a father, you're holding onto your daughter's hand as she dies. The remarkable thing that I remember from that day 
was listening to the news on BBC that evening. They interviewed Gordon Wilson the day his daughter was killed. They interviewed him. And this is exactly the words he said. He said, I bear no ill will. I bear no grudge. Wow. Can you imagine that? And that really hit me like a train when I heard it. I bear no ill will. I bear no grudge. You've just seen your daughter's life taken away from her with a bomb. Gordon was a Christian. And from that day on, he became a peace campaigner. And I've tried, since I heard that, it, it really shocked me at the time. Some of you may remember it, some of you may not. But look it up. It really shocked me that he could say those words, that he could use those words. What a gesture. Gordon Wilson didn't seek punishment. That wasn't what he wanted. He wanted right to happen from this. Because this was wrong. He was never going to get his daughter back. But he wasn't seeking punishment. He was seeking what was right. And you know what? They often refer to that particular day of bombing as the beginning of the end of the troubles in Northern Ireland because it was so horrific. Gordon Wilson went on to meet both sides of the troubles, both the Protestants and the provisional IRA. He tried to understand them and seek to bring peace in the situation, to bring about a transformation and put what was wrong right. Is that amazing that one man would do that? I'm just going to read to you from the Bible because that's, that's just something that a man did. And that's just something that one man did. But it had a, an impact on me. As I say, I was 32 at the time. I wasn't a Christian. But I believe that was part of my Christian journey. Three years later, I gave my life to Christ. So... I stand here as somebody, I love Jesus, but you know what? I hate injustice with a passion, okay? And I hope today, if you don't, if something that's not just doesn't burn inside you, I pray that God will burn something inside you. We can't all be, there's so much wrong in the world, we can't do everything, we can't care deeply and have an, an impact on everything, but we can all have an impact on something. Mother Teresa said, if you can't feed a hundred men, feed one. And we should feel that justice. I want to read from Isaiah 42, verses 1 to 9. So if you've got your Bibles with you, or your notepad, you want to write this down. I'm sorry it's not going to be on the screen. You're going to have to put up with me saying it. Um, but I don't think I'm going to cry anymore. Uh, Isaiah 42, verses 1 to 9. This was written 700 years before Jesus, and it prophesied what Jesus was going to do. And it says here, Here is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him, and he will bring justice to the nations. He will not shout or cry out or raise his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break 
and a smouldering wick he will not snuff out. In faithfulness, he will bring forth justice. He will not falter or be discouraged till he establishes justice on earth. In his teaching, the islands will put their hope. This is what God the Lord says. The creator of the heavens, who stretched them out, who spread out the earth and all that springs from it, who gives breath to its people and life to those who walk on it. This is what he says. I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness. I will take hold of your hand. I will keep you and make you to be a covenant for the people and light for the Gentiles, to open the eyes of the blind, to, see captive, to set free captives from prison, and to release those from the dungeons, those who are in, sit in darkness. I am the Lord, that is my name. I will not yield my glory to another, or my praise to idols. See the former things have taken place, and a new thing I declare. You see, Jesus didn't come to bring legal justice. That wasn't his purpose. It's not that legal justice is a wrong thing, but that wasn't what Jesus came to do. He came to bring transformation. He came to bring restoration. He came to restore the image of of God in us, in man. Because ever since Adam the image that we had of God was broken. And that needed to be restored. So how was he going to do that? He wasn't going to do that by going to the courts and shouting and having angry arguments with people. He gently does it by bringing one lost soul to faith. And then another lost soul to faith. One at a time, he gently brings us to faith. Verse 3 says... A bruised reed he will not break, and a smouldering wick he will not snuff out. However dim our faith has got, God's not going to snuff us out. Jesus isn't going to snuff us out. The Holy Spirit isn't going to snuff us out. What he's going to do is encourage us. He actually wants to, he wants to breathe that into us. He wants to gently take a hand and bring us into righteousness. Verse 4 says, he will not falter or be discouraged till he establish justice on the earth. Come on, hands up. How many of you have listened to the news, watched the news and gone, we haven't got a hope? Yeah? Some honest people here? Yeah? How on earth do we get out of this? We get out of this with Jesus. That's how we get out of this. And... What we know, it says here that he's not discouraged. Do you think Jesus is bothered by all of this? He cares, but do you think he's discouraged? If you've read the end of this book, the Bible, you know we win. Hey, it's, sorry, it's a, uh, you know, that's a spoiler alert there. I should have, you know. We win. He wins. He's not discouraged because Jesus came as a servant. A servant of who? God, not of us. I think some people think Jesus come to be our servant. No, he came to be God's servant. And as God's servant, he is going to fulfill what God gave him to fulfill. Amen? Amen. 
Isn't that fantastic? Jesus, his job was to come and live a sin-free life as a man. Is there anybody here who's lived, who's lived a sin-free life? Oh, no one, thank goodness. My theology may be sound after all. He came to live a sin-free life and through that to show us how we should be living our lives to teach us. But then, and this is the important thing, he then had to take our punishment. He had to take our punishment for our sin. It wasn't just about, about the miracles he, he, he did. And 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 24 to 25 really puts this so well. It says, He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. By his wounds we have been healed, for you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and the overseer of your souls. Let's look at just how Jesus did all of this. Let's look at how he did it in his life. I'm going to look at Matthew chapter 12, verses 9 to 21. Matthew 12, verses 9 to 21. And this is where just around this time, the Pharisees are giving Jesus a bit of a hard time. Have you heard of the Pharisees? Yeah? yeah? Oh, they would say they had it made because they had these long list of laws and they just ticked them off every day. Ticked off these laws every day and they thought that was all that was needed. And just before this, uh, just earlier on in, in, in Matthew 12, um, Jesus actually says to them, and he actually says to them, the Pharisees would have recognized. He actually says what God says in the Old Testament. He says, I desire mercy, not a sacrifice. And they'd have recognized that from, from reading from Amos and from Isaiah, from Psalms. But this is what it says in Matthew 12. Going on from that place, he went into the, their synagogue, and a man with a shriveled hand was there, Looking for a reason to bring charges against Jesus, they asked him, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? Jesus said to them, if any of you has a sheep and it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will you not take hold of it and lift it out? How much more valuable is a person than a sheep? Therefore, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, stretch out your hand, and so he stretched it out, and it was completely restored, just as sound as the other. But the Pharisees went out and plotted how they might kill him. Aware of this, Jesus withdrew from that place. A large crowd followed him, and he healed all who were ill. He warned them not to, take, to talk about, about this. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. And then it says this, and you may recognize this from what I said before. He said, here is my servant whom I have chosen, the one I love in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him and he will proclaim justice to the nation. He will not quarrel or cry out, 
No one will hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. Till he has brought justice through to victory. In his name, the nations will put their hope. You see how calmly Jesus deals with the Pharisees. He just doesn't get into a big argument about it. One of the things Jesus was great at doing when someone asked him a question was just asking the one back. He's just great at it. He's just gentle. He's going, really? Really? Should my disciples actually bend down and get some wheat to eat today? Really? You think that's wrong? Seriously? You know, Jesus is just so, so, he's just so sensitive, so simple in what he said. And what did he say to the, to the man with the withered hand? He said, hey, just stretch your hand out. That was it. So gentle. And yet, if I'm honest, I often stamp my feet and get angry. I can do that. I'm not going to do it today because you're all nice people. But I can get really angry. Today, imagine you've been given the opportunity. Your next door neighbour is feeling really, is down. They're really depressed. Things have gone wrong and they're having a bad time and they're crying. You've got the opportunity. It's Sunday. You can come and sing beautiful hymns, beautiful songs with the worship team. Meet all your friends, even listen to me. Or you can spend time with your neighbour. What are you going to do? Christians, what are you going to do? Honestly? Honestly? Are you going to go, well, they'll still be there when they get back from church. It's Sunday. I go to church on a Sunday. It's that religiosity that Jesus said no I don't want to sacrifice I you know it's, just, it's, it's not what I want I want you to love people I want you to care that's not to say don't come to church that's not what I'm trying to say but we need to sort out what our priorities how many of you have done the or, or are doing the seeking justice course at the moment behind that Okay, well, that's quite a few of you who aren't doing that. If you're not doing the Seeking Justice course, how dare you not do it? If you're not doing it, there's still time to sign up. We're almost halfway through it, but actually the second half is better than the first half. So, so sign up if you, if you aren't already signed up for the course. What we've talked about in the first three sessions is really very simple. It's firstly, we as individuals have to understand just how much God loves us. It's huge. I saw you with your daughter this morning. She's on the stage singing. The love that's in you for her. Jesus loves you more. Even more than that. You think about the, the person you love the most. Jesus loves you even more than that. Even more than that. Secondly, we have to love mercy. 
by showing kindness and compassion wherever we can. And may I suggest some of us may even need to go looking for opportunities to be merciful. Because if, if we're not finding these opportunities, I guess that says we're probably walking around with our eyes closed and we need to open them. And thirdly, we just have to do justice. Justice has to be our lifestyle. Now, it's not always easy to understand the difference between mercy and justice. Does anyone get confused between the two? I know lots of people do. Is that mercy? Is that justice? Is that justice? Is that mercy? One of the best examples I've, I've heard of or I've read came from the book by, by a Canadian pastor, Brad Jersak. And the book is called Can You Hear Me? And if you find it easier to concentrate with your eyes closed, then just close your eyes while I read this passage from the book. But if you want to look at me, feel free to. I'm not going to do anything spectacular. Um, but really listen to these words. And at the end, it gets quite dark. Okay? Mercy is like the ambulance at the bottom of a cliff, ready to help those who fall. Justice builds a fence at the top of the cliff to protect them from falling in the first place. Mercy wipes the tears from their eyes. Justice asks, why are you crying? Mercy welcomes the hungry to gather around God's banqueting table. Justice addresses why some are under the table, aching of hunger, while others are sitting on top of the table, aching of gluttony. And this is the bit you need to think about. Mercy seeks and saves those lost in the darkness. Justice asks, why is it dark? Who is keeping it dark? Who is benefiting from this darkness? Is it I, Lord? Let me read that last bit. Justice asks, why is it dark? Who is keeping it dark? Who is benefiting from this darkness? Is it I, Lord? The musicians might want to prepare to, to come up now. Might get a bit full if all the singers come up there as well, but maybe the musicians could get ready. I'm going to give you one sentence now which will need you to think about. Poverty exists because the rich don't care enough about justice. The opposite of poverty is justice. The opposite of poverty is justice. Okay? So the reason that poverty exists is because the rich don't care enough about justice I'm one of them I'm the rich and I'm sorry to say this so is everybody in this room we are the global rich we might not feel it but we 
every one of you in this room, I would say without exception, is probably in the top five to 10% of wealthy people on this planet. You don't feel like that all the time. I know you don't. But that's the reality. And we have to ask ourselves, do we care enough about the global poor? Or do we care more about our relative poverty to the person next to us? But actually, it's our relative wealth in reality. It's a tough message, and I, it's hard to bring. For those of you who haven't done the justice course, and those of you who have, this is just a reminder, C.S. Lewis comes out with this brilliant one-liner. I love C.S. Lewis. He just says some beautiful things. He says, mercy detached from justice becomes unmerciful. Mercy detached from justice becomes unmerciful. Ouch! You mean that being kind to people Showing compassion to people isn't enough. No, it's not. It isn't enough. Being kind to people isn't enough. Showing compassion and feeding the homeless is a great thing to do. But do you know what's better? Finding out why they're homeless and turning that around so that they're no longer homeless. I'm not saying we don't feed them. I'm not saying we don't care for them, but actually we need to say, well, why are they? Is it I, Lord? Is there more I should be doing to bring that gentle justice of Jesus? You see, if Jesus had simply come to earth to perform miracles, if Jesus had simply come to, to earth to, to grow a withered hand, to raise a young man from the dead and give him back to his mother. If that's all Jesus had come to do, it wouldn't have been enough. It wouldn't have been enough. Jesus came because he wants to show us how to live our lives. And then he had to die in our place. And we have to die to our sin every day. Daily, we have to die to our sin. You've heard that before, but that's not enough. We have to then think of others more importantly than ourselves. That's so important. As Jesus stretched out his hands, his arms on the cross, carrying your sin and my sin on his shoulders, what did he say? He said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. That was Jesus' real act of mercy. To be just and to restore us to our Father in heaven. To show us the way to restore our broken relationship with our Father. Without that restoration, there was no justice. There was just mercy. Does that, is that making sense? I do hope so, because it's, 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 it's so important that we grasp this. So what must our response to this be? Because that's always a good thing, isn't it? We respond to what we've just heard. Well, I'm sorry it's not to turn up to meetings on a Sunday. Okay? That's not the response. 
It's not to sing love songs to God. That's not what it's about. It's not to tithe religiously. It's not to pray at set times every day and, and have fasts regularly. None of these things are bad. They're all good. But it's not enough. It's not enough. Those things are good. Our response is to ensure that we, as people who call themselves Christians, that we love everyone. That's tough. Everyone. Yes, everyone. Even that unlovely person you work with, you go to school with, there's a neighbor of yours. Yes, love everyone. We need to love them the way God loves us. And to show mercy wherever we can. And do all that we can to bring justice into this world. Amen? Amen. Let me just pray. A prayer as we, as we come to, to a close. This is a prayer that you may have heard me pray before. It's not a prayer that I wrote, it's a prayer that I, that I found. But I think it's so important. So if you just close your eyes. God bless me with discomfort. At easy answers, half-truths, and superficial relationships. So that I may live deep within your heart. God bless me with anger and injustice, oppression and exploitation of people so that I may work for justice, freedom and peace. Oh, God bless me with tears to shed for those who suffer pain, rejection, hunger and war so that I may reach out my hand to comfort and to turn their pain to joy. And God, bless me with just enough foolishness to believe that I can make a difference in the world so that I can do what others claim cannot be done to bring justice and kindness to our children and to the poor. something I'm, I don't know what to do now I think I know what to do but I'm not sure what to do I think I have to repent I think I have to repent from, from the times when I've I've not shown justice the times when I've I've seen something on the news and I've switched off because it's too painful. Or I've seen that before. They're always in trouble. When I should have done more than that. I have to repent of the times when, when I've prayed about injustice and then done nothing about it. When maybe I could have been the answer to someone's prayer. 
the times when I've, I've seen something, I go, this is wrong. What, our, what my government is doing is wrong. I should really write to my MP. And I haven't. It's going to be hard for you and me to bring justice in every situation. But each one of us can start. Those who know me will know that I, I'm part of an organization that helps release children from poverty in the developing world. And I've seen the most atrocious situations. I've met, I've met young kids who just live in abject poverty. I've met, I'm just thinking now of a beautiful lady in her 70s looking after a baby that she found on the rubbish dip. She found the baby on the rubbish tip. My goodness, she has nothing, she's so poor. And yet she took this baby into her home and is now bringing this baby up as her own. I've seen terrible things and yet I can come home and get into my nice house, into my nice car, into my nice bed, eat three meals a day. I'm talking to myself here as well as to you. I'm talking to myself here. I need to do more. I repent. Not, not that I shouldn't enjoy the good things God's given me. Don't hear me say that. But actually, can I do more? Can each one of us do more? Is the one thing that burns on your heart for justice? For me, it is when I see little children. When I see little children in abject poverty, the world would say they have no hope. But when I look at them, I look at doctors. I see doctors, nurses, teachers, lawyers. I see great fathers. I see great mothers. Because that's who they are. And I should be doing whatever I can to help that. For you, it could be people who are suffering through disability through mental illness. I don't mind. But what I would say to you today, if there isn't one thing, at least one thing, that burns in your heart, then you need to pray for it. You need to seek it. You need to allow God to put something on, his, on your heart that actually breaks his heart. So Father God, Lord, I pray for myself and I pray for all those here today, Lord, whether they're in this building or whether they're, whether they're listening or watching at a later date. I ask for grace, Lord. If I've offended anyone today, Lord, I ask for grace. If I've offended you today, Lord, I ask for grace. But Lord, I pray that you will put something on each of our hearts. It may be more than one thing, but something that actually wakes us up in the night. Something which says, I need to do something about that. I can't allow that to just happen. So Lord, 
Help each one of us today to bring your gentle justice to this fallen, this fallen world. I pray in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you, thank you, thank you, John. Wonderful, wonderful message. I don't know about you, but I've been challenged. Amen. And uh, I'm sure that all of us, we were. But I want to invite you all to do an exercise. When you go back home today, just write down in a paper, God, what are you challenging me to do? And pray about it. And ask God to give you the courage to act upon it. And I'm sure that God will do amazing things. Amazing things as we respond. Because this is what we were called to do. To respond with him. To respond. As John was uh, sharing the word of God, I was remembering where I was brought, where I was born in Africa, the challenges, uh, the needs, and remembering how privileged I am to be here today. And so many people, so many children that didn't have that privilege. And it's so easy for us to just to take things for granted and to just move forward but God wants to raise us our awareness to join him so I just want to encourage you guys if you want to just to respond to this today as well just say God I've heard you but I just I don't just want to hear, but I want to obey. Because this is what we are called to do, just to listen and obey. Father, give us the courage, Lord. Holy Spirit, I know that you have touched us and spoke to us all. In every one of us, there is something that you have stirred in us. So I pray this morning, Lord, that this seed that you have planted in our hearts, that it might grow and multiply. It might grow and multiply according to your will, according to your purpose, Lord. We pray as one only family, your family, United, may we be those who chase justice in our neighborhoods, in the places that we are living in, in our place of work, in our sphere of influence, Lord. May we be the ones who respond yes. So God, 
I ask you just to fill us with your Holy Spirit. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. More and more of you. And help us, Lord, to carry you to those around us. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen, church.